morning, church. Good morning at home. Good seeing you guys. Let me just reiterate what Ela just said. It was awesome yesterday at the tailgate. And one thing I realized from you guys, my church family, is, boy, you guys can eat. Wow. Lots of food. But it was awesome. Fellowshipping and gathering and celebrating what God's doing at the new property, what you guys are doing for his kingdom. So thanks for that. Today we continue our series in the book of Hebrews, and we're going to start chapter 11. But before we do, I want to just give us a little bit of context, where we're at. Now, if you recall, and we've been sharing this every Sunday, the author has one main theme throughout this book, and that is that Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than anything. Jesus is greater than the angels, the prophets, Moses, the high priest. Jesus is greater than any circumstance that you may be going through is what the author is saying. Why does he say this? Because during that time, who the author was writing to, early Jewish converts who had turned their life to Jesus Christ were being persecuted. Families were being torn apart. People were literally being killed. And some were just jumping off the faith. They were saying to themselves, you know what, this following Jesus thing, that's not for me. Are you kidding me? And the author, again, of Hebrews is saying, don't lose the faith. Keep on pursuing Christ no matter what. Jesus is greater. And at the end of chapter 10, this is what he says in verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The author is saying, don't be like those that have jumped off the wagon. We are not like that. We are the ones that don't shrink back. We keep moving forward. Why? Because we are those that have faith. Faith. That's an interesting word. I think a lot of us have an understanding or a definition of faith is. But in my studies, what I want to do today is I want to fl flesh out three principles as we're going to see in this chapter, chapter 11 of Hebrew, of what faith represents. And I've entitled this sermon as the three A's of faith. And here's my sermon point where we're going to flesh out for the remainder of the time together. This is it. Faith is to acknowledge, that's the first A, acknowledge God's word. The second A is to act on his promise. And thirdly, to accept the outcome. That's what faith is all about. To acknowledge God's word, to know his word, and not just agree with it, but I acknowledge it, I believe it. And how do you show that you believe it? You act on it. That's the second A, we need to act. Actions speak louder than words. Most of us say, yeah, I believe, I trust Christ. But where are your actions? Does your life show that? And then lastly, and I think what's most difficult for us to understand is that faith is to accept the outcome. See, it's easy for us to say, yeah, I have faith when things are high, right? When things are going our way. But how is it to really have faith when things don't go the way you want, but the way, the way God wants. I remember years ago, it was probably about 13 years ago, I had first turned to Christ, and I've shared this story before. I came to Grace, my family and I, and we were pretty successful financially. We had the house, we had the cars, but God started working in our lives, and what did he do? He took away all our possessions, 
the God that we were worshiping, the God of money was stripped away. But we didn't want to stop living like that. We wanted to keep on living beyond our means. So after a while, after God really working in our hearts, we sold the house, we sold everything we had, we moved into this apartment, but the circumstances did not go away. In other words, we were so much in debt that it was some hard times. I had already become a Christian, and I was praying, God, whatever it will be, I trust in you. I have faith in you. I know your promise. I acknowledged it. And so I acted upon it and sold our possession. And I was okay to accept the outcome. And in this journey, years after finally my wife and I and my family were, were above water, we weren't in the red anymore, finally, God put in my heart to do seminary. Seminary is expensive. I remember saying, God, are you serious? Look, we can barely make it, but I have faith again because your word says that your will be done. I remember one Sunday, I kid you not, one Sunday my wife and I were sitting outside trying to redo the budget over and over again, checking off the boxes as much as we could get rid of, we did. And it didn't. It didn't line up. There was no way we were going to make it. But we still acted on it. We had faith in that regard. The next day, Monday morning, and again, I've shared this story, and it just brings me to tears. The dean of Knox Seminary, where I went to seminary, called me and said, Mr. Randa, we're taking care of everything. Not a single cent will you have to pay. And boy, did I accept the outcome. Because it was a good outcome, right? But my faith was encouraged. Now, I know you guys have your faith story. I know you do. I've been part of it. And I know for a lot of you, your outcome hasn't been the way my outcome was. I know for a lot of you, you've prayed that a loved one wouldn't die. I know for a lot of you, you've prayed that your marriage would succeed. And God answered his way. If I'm honest, I can preach here about faith because I believe I haven't been really put to the test. I'm just being honest with you guys. But what encourages me is that I have seen many of you act out in faith and accepted his will. So if you got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 11. It's a very popular chapter, I believe. I think it's one of the most famous chapters in the book of Hebrews. As a matter of fact, it's known as the Hall of Faith, and we'll see why in a little bit. But if you've got your Bibles open, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going to flesh out the first A. Remember, faith is to acknowledge God's word. And here's what the author says. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. He's going to flesh out who these people are. By faith, he says, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. He says, by faith, because we have seen God's word, because we acknowledged his word, by faith, we as believers believe that God spoke and the creation was made. Everything in the universe was made from things that were not visible became invisible. Why do we believe that? Because it's in his word, and by faith we believe that. That's what he's saying. Now, faith... Faith is not a claim it kind of thing. 
Faith is not as, I have faith and I know Christ is going to do it, so it's going to be done. That's not what faith is. See, what happens when we have that faith, now, Christ can do anything. Hear me out. What happens is when we name it and claim it in the name of Jesus and Jesus doesn't, quote, unquote, come through, what do we do? We lose our faith. Then we didn't really have faith in Christ. We had faith in how Christ wanted to respond. That's not what faith is. Faith is not positive thinking. I think I can. I think I can. That's not what faith is. What is faith? The author just told us in black and white. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Two things. It's an assurance and it's a conviction. Now, assurance means it's to have confidence. We have confidence in his promise. And the conviction is belief with our hearts. But notice, this is a conviction in things not seen. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. These things don't see, seem right. And then he says, it is a conviction of things to come. Hope, it's in the future. We don't know the outcome, but we have faith in whatever the outcome is. Our faith is in you, Christ. That is the definition of faith. Let me just say something else. It's not the amount of faith that you have. It's who you have your faith in. In. See, I can have a lot of faith on a certain football team, but if they're not producing, what difference does it make? You can say, I have all the faith in the Cowboys, but where are the results? <laughs> See, it's not the amount of faith, it's who you have your faith in. That's why Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell the mountains to move and they will move. It's not your faith. It's because that we have the creator that can move all things. We can have a little faith in a big God and see huge results. That's faith. Faith is acknowledging God's word because he says so. The second thing. Faith is to act on his promise. It's not just agreeing with God's word. It's acting upon it. There needs to be action in faith. Now, for the rest of the chapter, what the author is going to do, he's going to start demonstrating these people who not only acknowledged his promise, but he, they moved on it. They acted on it. And he begins with Abel. And Abel, it says, because of his faith, offered a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. And then he goes on and talks about this prophet Enoch and what we know about Enoch, and it says very clearly that every day by faith he walked by God. In other words, his actions and the way he lived his life demonstrated he had faith. And then this is what it says in verse 6. And without faith, the faith that... I'm about to talk about that. I've been talking about, the author says, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I'm going to come back to this verse because I believe it's so important. He goes on in verse 7 and says this, talks about Noah. I think we're familiar with Noah. By faith, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, that's a definition of faith, right? 
in reverent for fear, constructed an ark, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he was con condem condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. He inherited righteousness by faith. We inherited Christ's righteousness the same way anybody inherits his righteousness by faith. Now picture this, Noah, in the middle of the desert, God told him, build an ark because it's going to rain. And the first thing Noah said, what is rain? And he started building this huge ark. Can you imagine the people, how they were ridiculing and making fun of him? What are you doing? And Noah said, I don't know, but I acknowledge God's word because he told me to. And I'm acting on it. And I'm building a boat. That's what faith means. He goes on and starts talking about Abraham and Sarah. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an as an inheritance. And he went out. There's the action. Not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents and with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. He acted on his faith. Now Abraham had it all. He had all the sheep. He had the home. He had it all. He had the comfort. And God told him, go to this land that you don't know about, but I do. And Abraham went. He acted on it. He goes on and Verse 11, by faith, Sarah, Abraham's wife, herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. She was an old lady, guys. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. That's what she did. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These two old people tried to have a child for years and God said, you will conceive and by faith, they acted on it. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> and we see the results. Abraham was as good as dead is what his word says. Sarah was an old lady. Getting close to 100, but yet, they acted on God's word. And after ha having their son Isaac, picking up in verse 17, by faith, it says, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac you should, shall offspring, your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham said, okay, God, you gave me this child that you promised me, and now you want me to sacrifice him, but I'm going to act upon it. And I don't know the outcome, but he was pretty sure of this, that God had promised him that through Isaac, there'd be many descendants. And he says, I don't know what you're going to do, but whatever you're going to do, even I have to sacrifice him, you will bring him up from the dead because your word, your will be done. You see this action of all these great people. And then he goes on to Moses, verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward and then by faith, he says, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Same thing. Moses had it all. He was a prince, and yet God told him, move, go. But I'm 40 years old, God. Go. 
and we know the outcome. And God showed himself faithfully time and time again. We're going to pick up in verse 29 to see some of that action. It says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as in dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, the same were drowned. In the middle of the desert, they're going. They see this Red Sea in front of them. They see the Egyptians behind them. And they say, what are we going to do? And Moses says, we're going to go through the Red Sea. How? By faith. And because of their actions, the Red Sea parted. And the people went through onto the promised land. Are you guys getting the picture? Faith is acting on God's word. Then it says this, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Joshua goes and they go into this city of Jericho, and, and God says, trust me, act upon my word. Go, and you will bring down the wall by walking around this huge city for seven times. Again, doesn't make sense to you and to me, right? So for seven times they walked around, and on the seventh day they blew this horn, and the walls came crumbling down, and everybody was in amazement because God will always show up. His promises are true, and we, knew, we need to act on that. Verse 32, and what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell. And he goes on and lists all these story upon story upon story. Fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms. Enforce justice, obtain promises, st stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Look at the power of God and all the great things he's done and will continue to do by faith. Great outcomes. And I read this and I just get pumped. Yeah, you go, God. Your word is true. Let's acknowledge it. Let's act upon it. But let's not forget the third day. We need to accept the outcome, good or bad. Faith is to acknowledge God's word, act on his promise, and accept the outcome. Look what he says in verse 36. After saying all the great things that God has done, he says this. Others suffered mocking and flogging. And even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. The author says, I have just told you all the good things that God has done, but just because they're not good for you doesn't mean that they're not good for God. Because it's by faith these people acted and their outcome wasn't the way they wanted to, but yet they accepted it. They accepted being tortured. They accepted being murdered. Lastly, verse 39, he says this, 
And all these, all these people I just talked about, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. See, by faith, they lived out their lives, but God had promised something better for them as he does for us. And that something better is Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of our faith. See, Jesus, by faith, stepped out of heaven, perfect in obedience, perfect in life. And he lived out every day demonstrating that. But yet he hung on the cross, knowing, though, even though he had done everything perfectly by faith and obedience, his outcome was death. But you know why? Because he also knew the results, that on the third day, he would be resurrected from the dead. His faith, his obedience gave us eternal life. When we put our faith in him, in Jesus Christ, with our hearts, we too have eternity. As I read this chapter 11, the hall of faith, I sat back and I looked at my Grace family and I said, you know what? Grace has a hall of faith. Let me share some stories of whom I'm talking about. I know of this young couple that for years they wanted to have a child. They went through a lot of tests, procedures, and God said, no, not yet. But they acknowledged God's word and they kept on acting because he they knew that he is faithful. They adopted this beautiful little girl, and that adoption wasn't easy. Man, that they have struggles, but they kept saying, your will be done by faith. And now, now that child is theirs. What an outcome. I can tell you about marriages that, man, they seemed impossible. But they were faithful and patient and they kept acting on God's word. It was impossible for you and me, but to God, nothing is impossible. And now I look at their marriages and I say, wow, God, you are good. I can tell you about this dumb guy who walked in 13 years ago and sat there. And God called them to come up here and preach to you. I said, that's impossible. But by faith, I humbly stand here before you, not knowing what God has in store. But it's not on me, it's on him. Let me go back to verse 6 because it's so important. It's a verse that we can't just skip through. It says, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It is impossible to please God if you don't trust him, if you don't believe him. I want to leave you with this illustration that maybe captures what I think this verse is saying. We have two boys. My oldest just turned 20 yesterday. And I remember when he was a little boy, he was so scared of everything. I remember when B.I.B. at the pool and I wanted him to, to jump in. He'd stand by the end and say, no, 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 no. And I, come on, son, I got you. Nope, nope. I'm scared. I don't trust you. Not that I don't trust you. I just don't know the outcome. But I promise, son, I promise. 
come on. Nope. And he say, draw near to me. Get closer. So I remember reaching out, and I grab him from the armpits, and he jumped in, blue, and yeah. But he wasn't really jumping forward. I was just grabbing him in that journey of his, of his life. But little by little, as he understood my promise, I stepped back, and he acted upon it, and he jumped, and I grabbed him. I dunked him out, and he saw, he accepted the outcome. And it was fun, so I'd raise him up and he'd do it again and again and again. Man, I got tired because he would just run and jump. And every time I got further and further and further. My youngest, who's now 16, totally opposite. The first day we ran to a pool, he just jumped in. But you know why I think that is? Because during that season of my oldest son that he wouldn't trust me, he was watching. As a baby, he was watching. My older brother's jumping and he's trusting my dad. So I can do it too because my dad didn't fail my brother. My dad won't fail me. In the same manner, guys, I believe that people are watching how we're jumping by faith. I want to be an example to those people who are sitting back, watching us jump into the pool because we know that God has us. So when their struggles come, when they're at the edge of the pool and they don't know what to do, they'll think of Grace Bible Church and say, I'm jumping in because I'm acknowledging God's word. I'm acting upon his promising. And no matter what, I'm accepting his outcome. Let's pray. Father, I just want to give you so much thanks that you are a father who will never disappoint. You are a God who knows us better than we do ourselves. So, Father, I pray that beginning with me, you give me that faith. That faith that I just preached upon. Let me practice what I preach. Father, I pray that that's the same for my church family. I know their struggles. But I know that they know your promise. So will you help us act upon that? But most of all, Father, let's accept the outcome. Because you are in control. You are sovereign. Let us praise you in the highs. Let us praise you in the lows. Let us praise you for who you are. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you guys.